0: Will you stand with us? We're going to sing together. So let's stand. Let's sing. Would you put your hands together with us this morning? Let's praise Jesus. Let's sing, intended as he saw us.
1: In tenderness he saw. us.
0: Joy it is to be together. Hey, this morning we're going to celebrate baptisms, if you couldn't tell. Hey, we're stoked. Is anyone else excited about that? Yeah, come on. All right, let's sing with us. Praise the Lord. We probably do better than that, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, like, we probably could. All right, let's try and do it. Let's sing praise the Lord.
1: Tender is calling us home. Oh, he will.
0: Pray together um father we're um we're thankful that we can sing that um with confidence this morning that um lord our sins they are many but um how much more your mercy is for us lord we're thankful that you've called us you brought us into your fold um and you've given us a new name you said we've ch- we're chosen and forgiven and loved by you so lord we take hope in that this morning as your people and we rejoice together amen you can go ahead and take a seat
2: Good morning, Village Church. Great to be with all of you this morning, especially one service with the whole church here. So great to see you. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts. This is chapter 8. We'll be reading from verses 26 to the end of the chapter. Some of your Bibles might not have verse 37. I'll be including that this morning. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the, Philip, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel, to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Thanks,
3: John. Good morning, Village Church. I'm Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at the Village. If you don't know me or I don't know you, good to be with you this morning on Baptism Sunday, um, a special Sunday for us uh, during the year, many of these Sundays during the year. But uh, Baptism Sunday is, is, is like most Sundays in the sense that we come to celebrate. And at the Village Church, we always come to celebrate Jesus and his gospel. We do that every Sunday as we gather, but on Baptism Sunday, we do that in a unique or special way as we celebrate the movement of Jesus in the lives of his disciples, young and old. We celebrate that in a unique way on Baptism Sunday, and we're looking forward to that. A lot of the celebration this morning will come in listening to their stories And celebrating the way Jesus has been moving in their lives. But like any Sunday, a baptism Sunday is also a Sunday. We come to learn a bit or to be encouraged by the truth of the gospel and through the word of God. And so this morning, um, I will be briefer than most mornings because I know we all want to get to the stories from the tub. But I wanna take a few minutes in this story because there are some unique things we can learn or be encouraged about about baptism. If you wanna jot down some notes this morning, I'm going to move fairly quickly. There are six of them that I can see. The first one begins in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. Sounds like a significant job. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. I think the first thing we can learn or be encouraged about this morning, be reminded of is that baptism always begins with the movement of God baptism always begins with the movement of God. And this story begins with the movement of God. Can you see it? Can you see God moving on Philip? Philip is a a, a good Jewish boy that's grown up following the God of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I doubt he's had many experiences like this where an angel of the Lord speaks to him and tells him what to do. God is moving. Angels are messengers. God has a message for Philip, and he's going to move Philip to do something. But I think the greatest movement is what we see happening in the life of this Ethiopian, who would have been called in that day a proselytite, or we would call someone in, in, in our day a God-fearing person. He, he didn't grow up in a, in a Jewish household learning about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was outside of the, the ethnic, in a sense, people of God of that day, the Jewish people. He would not have grown up with these normal things, most likely, but he has been drawn in. God has drawn him in. And maybe you're here this morning, and and you're like one of these kids that are going to sit in one of these seats. You've grown up in the life of the church, and you know what all of this is about. And maybe you're here this morning, and you don't. But you're curious about the God of the Bible. This was his story. But he finds himself in a place where now he's actually going up to Jerusalem to worship. There was a whole place in the temple for for the God-fearing people like him. And he's on his way back, but he, he obviously doesn't get the full story yet. Listen, baptism doesn't begin with us making a decision to be baptized. Baptism begins with the movement of God. God moving on our lives, calling us to himself. And for some of us, God does that at a very young age. We're going to see Micah get baptized this morning. And, and God calls us to himself at a very young age. And other times, God calls him, us to himself after a lot of years, decades, decades living our lives outside of him. And we're going to see that this morning as well through our baptisms. It starts with God moving on our life, not because of any merit of our own, but because he's calling us to himself and he wants us to be in relationship with him. This is why Paul would tell the Ephesian church, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were all called to the one hope that belongs to your calling— one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Jesus is calling people to Himself. And baptism is an external evidence of that internal reality that God has been calling us to relationship with Himself. And that is why we call baptism a sacrament. It is a sacred act because God is acting. God is moving. It all begins with his movement. Every person that's going to get baptized this morning in this tub is getting in the tub because God is moving in their life. And God has moved them to this moment. Look, although baptism always begins with the movement of God, it also includes the movement of God's people. We see that in verse 29, where it says, And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. I think the second thing we see this morning is that baptism always begins with the obedience of a willing Christian. Baptism always begins with the obedience of a willing Christian. Now, this sounds like an extraordinary moment of obedience. You know, going to a specific place on a desert road, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and getting in a stranger's car, so to speak. That, the cherry was like a car. I mean, this would be like, if you hear voices this morning saying, go to a random road outside of Barstow and get in a stranger's car. Talk to your parents first, you know, or, or talk to your friend or like maybe talk to one of your pastors and we can help you discern, is that what you're supposed to do? But I mean, this feels like an extraordinary moment of obedience. It's actually pretty ordinary in the Christian life. It's the kind of obedience that pictures everyday ordinary Christianity. That when we sense God moving in our lives, when we sense God speaking to us, when we sense God moving us to move towards someone else, the everyday ordinary response of the Christian is to go, is to move, is to engage. This sounds like a moment of extraordinary obedience, but it's very normal. You, you might be thinking, well, Matt, I don't know if it could be normal for me. Like, I don't know if I can do that. If I sense God was moving on me to go share something about Jesus with, with some person, I don't know if I could do that. What would I say when I get there? Well, Philip just asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And in my experience, and maybe yours, it always begins there, always begins with a question. You're sitting down, maybe having a cup of coffee, and you're like, how are you doing today? Starts with a question. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Hey, what are you reading? They might be reading a book. Oh, this is what I'm reading. That conversation ensues. It always begins with a question. We can all ask a question, can't we? If Jesus is going to call you to share something about him with someone else, he's going to call you to obey him by going to someone, we have to trust that he's already at work in their life before he does. We see that here, right? This Ethiopian already knows something about the God of the Bible. He's already gone up, gone up to Jerusalem to worship, but he doesn't fully understand everything yet. God's already at work in his life, though, and that is obvious, Jesus is always going before us. If he's going to invite you to a relationship with or to engage a person in some way, shape, or form with his gospel, you have to trust he's always gone before you. He's always prepared the way already. The reality is we don't know who Jesus is going to send us to. He might send us to our own children. We pray that he does. This morning we're going to see a father and a son in the tub together. God sends us to our own children to share the realities of the gospel. Sometimes God sends us to a complete stranger. This is the case with Philip and the Ethiopian. Sometimes he sends us to a person of great influence who can influence all kinds of other people. That's the truth of this story as well. We don't know who he's going to send us to. It doesn't matter. What matters is our obedience. Whether we're obedient to share the truth of the gospel with our own children and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers. Or complete strangers. He just wants us to be obedient and to go. Every person that you see getting baptized in the tub is getting baptized this morning because some other Christian was obedient to go and share the gospel with them. You're going to see a parent. You're going to see friends. You're going to see pastors. And parents and friends and pastors, what do they do? They obey Jesus. And they share the gospel with the people who need it. The story reminds us that Jesus is calling us to more than just going to someone to do something for them. He's actually calling us to go to people to say something to them. Did you pick that up? It says, now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this from Isaiah. Like like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before a shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Baptism always begins with a biblical explanation of the gospel it always begins with a biblical explanation of the gospel when we go wherever we go to whoever we go when Jesus is leading us and we sense he is he doesn't want us to just do something for them he doesn't want us to just be kind to them this is this is the mantra of our generation be kind jesus wants us to do more than be kind and we i think we can do more than that can't we he wants us to do something more than just do something nice for them, or do something necessary for them. They need food, they need shelter, they need help, they need medicine, they need wells dug. They, they, they need things. Yes, of course. But it's more than just doing something they need. It's more than just being a good example to them. He wants us to share the gospel with them. And, and this, this account it, it shows us that very clearly, there is no baptism without a biblical understanding of the gospel and the obedience of a Christian, listen to me, that will open their mouth and share the truth of the gospel with another person. And, and it says that he began with this scripture. And, and there's all kinds of ways we could say, hey, we could share the gospel this way. And there's kind of cute ways to walk through sharing the gospel. Here's four words that, that, that I sense kind of coming from this Passage, sin, sacrifice, salvation, sanctification. If he's preaching from this passage, which we know is from the, God, the book of Isaiah, he, he had to have, I think, started with, we don't know where he started, we don't have that whole conversation, but it had to have included the, it, the understanding of sin. God's people were singing against them constantly, a- and they needed a remedy for their sin, like you and I. And he had to have gone to sacrifice because it's talking about the lamb and, and, and being silent before its shears and this whole idea of the sacrificial system. And we know the book of Isaiah and we know all that surrounds it. And it had to be about sacrifice, that we are sinners. And, and we can't do anything to cover our sins ourselves. A sacrifice has to be made. And so in the Old Testament, the priests would lay their hands on the sacrifice. It would be as to say, the sins being imparted in a sense... The lamb being sacrificed, their sins being covered in some way. There is sin, and we need a sacrifice to cover our sins. And then he, he showed them from this scripture all the good news of the gospel of about Jesus. That salvation comes through Jesus, that God wasn't content to leave us in this place where, where we had all the sin and there were these sacrifices that kind of in some way covered our sin for a time but that Jesus would come to us, that God would give himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, that he would live a life without sin, a life we could never live. And then he would be the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, that he himself would be the perfect sacrifice, that the father in a sense would place his hands on Jesus, that all of our sin would be placed on him on the cross. And that when we place our faith and our hope and our trust in him as a son of God who is the ultimate sacrifice to come and to take away our sins, we experience the salvation of God. And as we continue to walk with Jesus, that, that word sanctification is a big word that just means we become more and more like Jesus from that day forward. We commit to living our lives for him and we become more like him. That this is, that, that Philip had to have shared these things and things like this with the Ethiopian. And baptism is a response to belief in Jesus and his gospel. To believe in Jesus, to be baptized rather, and to, to, we, we have to believe in Jesus and the truth of his gospel. And there has to be someone who, who's bold enough to, to open their mouth so that some other person hears it and has the, the chance to believe. Every person that you see getting in the tub this morning is getting in this tub because someone has done that to them, not just because someone has been kind to them, not just because someone has been nice to them, not just because someone that has done something necessary to help serve and love them and care for their, their needs as, a, as a, an image bearer of God, a, a human being that needs something. They're not getting in the tub just because someone's been a good example to them. They're getting in the tub because they believe something about someone. They believe something about Jesus, that he's the son of God who's come to take away our sin. Which brings us to the next big idea in verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And it reminds us that baptism always begins with a biblical understanding of baptism among God's people. Philip had to have told him that baptism is this response. Or he's kind of been a god He's seen baptism in and among the people of God, he probably had an idea of what baptism and the cleansing, symbolic cleansing that that baptism had brought to God's people. He probably knew some of that, but Philip had to have included because he says, hey, there's water. What prevents me from just being baptized? For the Ethiopian to stop and desire to be baptized, Philip had to have told him something about the centrality of baptism to the Christian life. And in the book of Acts, we always see this pattern that baptism... Profession of faith and, and the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives, they, they all are kind of a package deal, and we've talked about this before. It's like a three-cord strand or rope that you can't separate, but when you cut off the top, you can peel them apart, and they're clearly three separate ropes, but they're so wound together that it's hard to discern that. Baptism comes when we profess our faith in Jesus, we are baptized, and and, and the Holy Spirit of God moves on, comes in to our life. And that stuff should all happen at the same time. This is the New Testament pattern. Unfortunately, it's not always our pattern. Unfortunately, in our day, we, we make professions in Jesus, we, we believe that His Spirit's at work in our life, but, but we don't get baptized sometimes for years. That's not the New Testament pattern. And, and as a church, we want to get just as close, we want to get back as close to that as we possibly can. You see the centrality of baptism in the Christian life? Every person that's getting baptized this this morning is getting baptized because they understand the centrality of baptism in the life of a Christian. Do you know that? Are there some of you this morning who, you know, you see the tub set up and you're like, man, I I should be in the tub. I should be getting baptized this morning. We'd love to talk to you about that. Although baptism is central to the life of every believer, we also see a shadow or a glimpse of another truth about baptism. I'm just gonna spend a moment on this one. It's in verse 39. Where it says, When they came back out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Baptism is always focused on God, not anyone else. You see how quickly Philip comes in the story and how quickly he leaves? Listen, there is a reality that we've already talked about, that baptism is a sacred act, that God is moving. It's also true that, that baptism is a, kind of a sign and a symbol. We are moving. When you see people go under the tub, you're going to see them go under the water, which is sort of like, like the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to see it in picture form this morning. So we are acting, the person that's getting baptized, and the congregation is acting. Baptism is a kind of sacred initiation. It's, it's kind of us saying, yeah, you're in, you're a Christian, and, and we're going to walk alongside you in your life as a Christian. It is all of those things. We are acting in some way. I think it's, a, it's an important reminder in this story about how quickly Philip comes and how quickly he goes. The focus is not, not, not on the people that are doing the baptism. The focus is not even mostly on the person that's getting baptized, although those, are all, those things are all real and good and true. The greatest focus this morning is on Jesus and how he is moving in the life of a person. Every person that you see getting baptized this morning wants the focus to be on Jesus, not on themselves. Because they know that, that he's the one that's brought them to this place. There's one final thing I think we th- see in the story. It's in verse 40. It says, but Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all these towns until he came to Caesarea. think the last thing we see is baptism is always a basis of encouragement to continue to be bold in responding to the spirit and preaching the gospel. Can you imagine the high that Philip was coming off of? Can you imagine that? When, when Reagan was saying, hey, it's Baptism Sunday, is everyone excited? And we all kind of like cheered and all that kind of stuff. Like you, you have this sense of the welling excitement about the movement of God in the lives of people. Can you imagine the high that Philip was coming off of? <laughs> Probably hadn't heard from an angel of the Lord before, did that, went, to the, went, 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 to, you know, went outside of Barstow to that abandoned road, got in the car, it all worked out, you know? <laughs> got to share the gospel with a guy, got to baptize him, and then boom, he's gone. Can you imagine the high he's come off? He's like, man, I heard God's voice. I obeyed him. God moved in the life of this person that that some people would think God would never move in the life of a person like this, but he did. He believed the gospel. He got baptized. And when we see that kind of stuff, I think it's a basis of encouragement to believe God can reach anyone. What every friend or family member or coworker that you know that you don't think he can reach, he can. If he can reach this person, this Ethiopian eunuch in the court of, 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 the, of the queen, as far removed from the people of God in Jerusalem as could possibly be, he could reach the people that you and I know and love. And I hope that encourages you this morning. I hope it encourages all of us that as we see these people baptized, we're reminded it's the movement of God. It's the obedience of his people like you and me. And this is going to continue to happen over and over and over and over again until Jesus returns, which I think is connected to our good news this morning. It's this, that Jesus is calling people to himself. He's confirming it through baptism and it will continue until he comes again. Jesus Christ is calling people to himself. He is confirming it through baptism and he will continue to do this until he comes again. And I hope that's good news for you. And we're going to get to celebrate it by watching our brothers and sisters get baptized this morning. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that this is true. We thank you that you are calling people to yourself, that you've called us to yourself. We thank you that, that baptism confirms that, that it's, it's a way for us to stand up and say, yes, we, we've been called by Jesus and we've responded to his call in our life. And we love him, and we believe him, and we want to follow him. We thank you that, it, that you will continue to do this. That we've seen baptisms in the past. We know we'll see it in the future. Because you continue to move on and in and through people's lives until the day you return. And Lord, we look forward to that day. But Lord, until that day, help us to be faithful. When we see you move to move, to obey. And thank you for the joy of getting to be involved in the things that you're doing and the way you are moving in the lives of other people. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We ask these things in your name and for your sake. Amen. So, so what's going to follow is, uh, is a song where uh, everyone that gets in the pool gets to go and try to change quickly. You all get to sing and worship. Some of our kids, the olders, will be brought in. If your children are in one of our younger classes, you have the option to go grab them now during this first song, which will be a few minutes, and you should have enough time. We've got about a song and a half. If you'd like to bring your, your youngers in, and they're one of those younger classes, you can go grab them now, and you can bring them in. And, uh, and we'll hear some stories about how Jesus is moving in the lives of people in our church. And then we'll do baptisms, and we'll worship, and we'll sing, and then later we'll eat a bunch of good food. It's a good Sunday. Will you stand as we sing together?
0: What's up, kids? How are we doing? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to sing one more song together um, before baptisms. Uh, So let's sing it together. We're going to sing about um, how Jesus bled and he died for us, how he's given us a new life.
1: My,
3: Church, uh, we're going to see three of our members of our church family baptized this morning uh, Micah, and Amy, and Serena. And Micah's going to go first, and as he does, he'll have a chance to share a, a little bit, and um, we'll get to hear from him, maybe get to hear from his dad. And as each person gets in the tub, they'll share a little bit of their story with us. Um, you'll see them be baptized um, by some of our village partners, by their family, by our pastors. And then um, as they come out of the water, we're gonna we're gonna sing and shout a chorus together. We need you kids to be really loud. Okay, this is a time where you can be loud, cheer as loud as you want. All right, we're going for it. All right, got this, you got the goods? Okay, good. All right. Well, Pastor David and the Hilt Brands, you guys come on up.
4: It's <laughs> warm in here. All right. Hi, kids. Well, most of you guys know Micah from your class, and we thought it would be fun to bring you guys in here. Uh, if you guys are, yeah, if you're standing, you can see good. That's great. You guys can keep standing. We are so excited, and uh, we just have a question for you, Micah, and we just want you to share with us. Why do you want to get baptized today?
5: The reason why I want to get baptized is because God chose is very important, and I can't wait to follow Jesus.
4: Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Michael, why don't you step down here in the middle? We got some confetti in the pool. That's okay. Uh, Where's Amy? Yes. All right, step right here. All right. This is Amy. This is her husband, Chris. Many of you guys know them. They're community groups right here. Yes. Community group family right here. We're excited for you. Why don't you share with us why you want to get baptized, Sammy?
6: Okay. Um. I guess I'll just. You know Okay. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story and I guess it starts with my grandparents who are Christians and would ask my sisters and I growing up if we believed in Jesus and we kind of said, yeah, we believe Jesus was a person and they wanted us to get baptized when we were four, but I remember that day and not really knowing what was going on and I definitely didn't understand the gospel at that point or really feel like baptism meant anything Um, and then growing up, kind of my... Goal in life was to be as perfect as I could be, which obviously we know is impossible, and it left me feeling empty and anxious and especially in high school I just tried to be like the best student I could be or the best daughter and it left me feeling like I had no control and my way of trying to get control was actually developing an eating disorder which Ironically, left me not having any control over my life, and it is what controlled me. And um, yeah, when things came out about that, I just didn't actually care about getting better or recovering from that. Um, But also around that time, I started going to a youth group, and we went to a winter retreat. And there was a talk kind of about restored relationships and the speaker was kind of saying how Jesus wants us to forgive and have restored relationships with either other believers or family members, friends, things like that. But most importantly, we need a restored relationship with the Father. Um, And we can have that through Jesus because he was the only one that lived a sinless life and he died for our sin to forgive us and to restore us to relationship with the Father. And I remember after that they sent us to rooms to um, go pray for where we needed restored relationships and there was one for like family friends or relationship with God and I remember thinking well I kind of believe Jesus is real but I don't really feel like I have a relationship with God or have really like ever accepted that for myself so I went to that room and um, didn't really know what I was doing but through the Holy Spirit just basically said like Jesus I want you and at the same time God also convicted me of just yeah just the way I was living my life that I felt such love like God cared and didn't want me to be suffering in that way and kind of felt him saying I created you and this is not the kind of life I want you to live I don't want you to be under the control of this eating disorder anymore and um so yeah but he didn't only free me from that he freed me from sin and um Yeah, it was a slow process because I didn't really have many Christians I could talk to about it after that, so I just started reading the Bible from Genesis, but didn't get past Leviticus, I think, and then (laughs) I was like, I couldn't really see how it was applicable. I wasn't reading anything about Jesus. Um, And then I went to college, and my roommate, Raquel, um, is a Christian, and I can see her right now. But she kind of, through the way that she had daily quiet times, helped me learn how to read the Bible. And I also started going to church more regularly. Um, That's when I started learning about the importance of baptism. But because I was a, a college student without a car, I would go to church with whoever I could get a ride with, which meant I was always going to different churches. So, um... I started learning a few years ago that I wanted to get baptized and realizing that it's important and it's also something, yeah, that God asks us to do and that we get to do. Um, But it just felt kind of weird doing it at a church I had only gone to a couple times here and there and didn't really know anyone. Um, But now I have a church family for the first time ever um, with my community group and most of my family is here and I have my husband here. So, yeah, it just feels like the right time to do it especially since um, my sister in Christ Serena is getting baptized today also
4: right Next up, Serena, come on in. All right. Well, hey, this is a really special story, and so many of you have been part of this story. You might not even know you're a part of this story, and so I want to let Serena share a little bit and um, tell us a little of your story why you want to get baptized today, Serena.
5: Hi, everyone. Wow, I'm looking out in the parking lot and I know so many of you already. Um, my story actually started in elementary school in Sydney, Australia, but I wanted to share with you the story that started six months ago um, with a wildfire. Uh, six months ago, my life was very much removed from God. Um, my views on happiness and success and relationship was the complete opposite of what the Bible says. It took a fire, a literal fire uh, that I evacuated three cities to get me to come to a Sunday service. That fire led me to village church, and uh, where my mom and my dog and myself uh, were welcomed and we were fed, and, uh, and they gave my dog way too much attention for his own good. <laughs> um, at that time, I haven't stepped into a church for over a decade, but from that event, I, I started coming to church on Sundays and joining community groups and reading the Bible for the first time and praying for the first time. And, uh, and I was craving to know him at work and at home and on hikes and in between episodes of WandaVision.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: that was not my strength alone. That was God. Fast forward to um, March 21st. Uh, which started as a normal Sunday morning, um, turned out to be the day that I was saved. Um, I didn't plan it. I did not know that the Holy Spirit was going to work overtime with my heart. Um, You see, at that time, throughout this whole thing, I thought I needed to let go of my past on my own. And I thought that I need to be at a level of Christian to be worthy of being saved. Uh, I got a lot of encouragement from a dear friend of mine to pray, and we did. And as soon as I started to say the words, dear God, everything came out. I started to trust him. And that trust led me to repent, and that repentance led me to let go. And uh, after that prayer oh, I felt so much peace and so much hope. Talk about the power of prayer, right? Um, but the other th- blessing and gift that he gave me that day was the assurance that I'll never be alone. That he's always gonna be there saying, Serena, I got you. And um, those strangers that I met The day of the fire turned out to be Leslie, turned out to be Pastor Matt, and Pastor David, and X, and so many other people that I only know from the eyes. And the community groups um, started out as awkward introductions, (laughs) turned out to be my family, my church family. I cannot thank God enough for his blessings. During a pandemic, nonetheless. So, uh, let's get me baptized.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, hey, uh, Serena, we we love you and we love your story. It was a a random Monday morning in October. I woke up and couldn't see anything outside. It was covered in smoke. I had a whole plan for my day. And then all the smoke, I said, I'm just going to take my kid. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm getting out of here. I hate the smoke. And then we had this random idea. We would just call the city of Irvine and tell them if you need to use our building for an evacuation shelter. Our doors are open. And then an hour later, we met you for the first time. What a cool thing. God will use a fire, God will use whatever whatever he needs to do. And now here you are with us and it's our privilege to baptize you, Serena. god hey kids you're gonna head back to your class we're gonna sing one more song all the big people in the back and then we're gonna have lunch together and celebrate what god has done in these people's lives all right yeah thanks for being here kids thanks for clapping along with your real hands and your fake hands
1: Here we Sing it out. Mm-hmm. Jesus prayed it.